Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expector with me, Mark Asquith. Now, this episode is a very, very special episode because it's the first episode to feature our first recurring guest, Mr. Robert Kelsey, who of course featured on episode 24, A Guide to Overcoming Decision-Making Paralysis. Now, that episode was fantastically received. It really, really helped people. And Robert is known for his actionable advice and his key takeaways and actually really helping people in their actual day-to-day lives. And today is going to be no different. We're actually going to take a cue from Robert's new book, The Outside Edge, which helps people who perhaps feel like they're on the outside, like they are outsiders, and that is myself included helps those people find their edge. So with no further ado, welcome Robert Kelsey. Good morning, how's things? Good, thank you sir, good. And it's a real pleasure to uh, to have you back on the show. As I say, it's the first recurring guest, so it really is, it really is a pleasure. Yeah, I'm on it. And you are indeed, sir, and I'm also on it. And the guests, uh, sorry, the uh, the listeners out there are on it. And, and the first episode that we did together was really well received. So I'm looking forward to digging into this one. And the outside edge—that's a really curious title. Let's talk about that for a second. What is the outside edge? Well, basically, the um, I guess the clue's more in the subtitle, uh, which says that um, how outsiders um, can succeed in a world made by insiders. And so it's looking at um, people that consider themselves outsiders. Now, a lot of people, um, if you read the media, uh, they, they talk about outsiders as um, in, in what I call vertical divides. Like they'll talk about, um, you know, being um, uh, say the only um, black person in a white man's world or the only woman in a man's world and things like that and actually that's fine that is a type of outsider but actually w- what I'm talking about is something where people feel like outsiders within their own peer group group I, I say it's a tribal thing imagine you know if, if you go back in time and everybody was in tribes well imagine if you were in your tribe but you didn't feel part of it you felt that somehow you didn't belong that you didn't feel that naturally uh, uh, affiliated or, or or any affinity with that particular tribe and that's how a lot of people can feel that they can feel that they're on the edge they don't belong in um, where uh, in the peer group that they belong to that can often be the case at work where they just don't feel that they should be where they are it can be with their group of friends it can even be with their family in fact i've had a few interviews on this already and people have said well aren't there cases where you always feel like an outsider and i said um yes of course there you know there's always going to be occasions where everybody feels like an outsider such as networking events and things like that but imagine if you had that feeling when you sat down sunday lunch for dinner with your family if you still had that feeling of feeling like you don't belong and you're an outsider or when you went out with all your best friends or when you went to your workplace if you still felt like that now that's that's what how an outsider feels is that they feel like they just don't belong they've not found where they belong 
that is a really powerful concept, isn't it? Because I can't, you know, I, I can't imagine finding that in a family situation. And for the people that do have that, it must be so debilitating. And it must, I guess it must just take over your life. You know? well, I think you've hit the nail on the head by saying it's debilitating because um, one of the reasons I wrote the book was because there's a lot of noise out there from people like Malcolm Gladwell, etc., who wrote a book called um, David and Goliath. There's a lot of noise out there that says to be successful in life, you need to be an outsider you need to think outside the box you need to think differently you need to swim against the tide blah 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 well that's all very true but actually it's incredibly disabling to actually sit there amongst your family or your best friends or your work colleagues and think you know what i just don't belong here it's actually highly dis- um, disabling and it, it, it doesn't help with your success at all in fact it, it does the opposite it's it's, it's it, it harms your potential for success however there are traits that people who feel like that often have. They often um, are very creative people, they're original thinkers, they're often very entrepreneurial and you can use those traits to your advantage but to assume that you have advantages simply because you're not like other people, because you're an outsider, you feel estranged from the group you're in. To think that's an advantageous situation is is nonsense, it's just not. It's it's, it's very disadvantageous and so actually a lot of that zeitgeist, it goes it is unhelpful. It makes people, puts the pressure on even more. Not only do you feel like you don't belong, you're being told by all these gurus out there that actually that's a good thing and you should succeed because of it. So it just puts the pressure on. So you're even feeling more disabled, more on the edge, more alone. And so that's that's what I aim to address is to say, hang on a minute, there's like guys to saying you can be a great success if you're an outsider. Well, you know, fine. It's easy for them to say that and to then pick examples from sort of three thousand years of history to 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 back up their arguments but in fact it's it's not true it's it's highly disabling 99.9 percent of outsiders will fail because they are outsiders so how do you tell that turn yourself into that 0.1 percent what is it what are the traits that give them the outsiders that have succeeded and absolutely as many you know steve jobs people like that um what gives them the edge that that helps them succeed when so many outsiders fail that's the key for the book And that's the real interesting side of that story for me, because you're absolutely right. Society tells us that you do need the outside edge. You need to push against the tide, you need to push against the current, and you need to swim the other direction. But no one tells you how to do that. And it's only if you have all of these different traits lined up in a row, and you actually happen to be one of the lucky people that understands they're an outsider, but understands how to embrace that, take that forward and do something with it. As you say, if you're one of the other 99%, that is really hard to do. And I love the idea, and that's what we're going to challenge today, which I think is fantastic, because... You see so, so often. Just one thing that I'll I'll sort of pick up on there, Robert, and this may be a curveball, but I I feel like a lot of people perhaps discover their how, so their edge, how to take that outsider inside them and actually make that a success. I feel like a lot of people get that later on in life. Is that is that related to confidence, do you think? Yes, I th- well, I think it's related to wisdom. Um, and I think wisdom probably does give you some confidence. But um, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that, I think it's absolutely right. It is something that happens later. And But what I find interesting is obviously, you know, my target audience is people of any age, but it will no doubt be um, lots of younger people as well. Um, but what I find interesting is that, is that these traits 
that they have that are to- they're told they're advantageous, such as creativity, etc., such as being different. What they'll do is they'll go into what you know sometimes what I call sort of rock star mode, in which they go, no, I'm not like other people. Oh no, I'm different. Me, I'm creative. I'm musical. I'm artistic. Blah, and they'll they'll sort of develop that kind of rock star attitude, which is incredibly disabling. In fact, it looks good, it, but it looks good on David Bowie. It doesn't look good on you because you you know you've got you you have everything to do. And actually, what's really going on is, you know, is you're disabling yourself. You're you're shut. You're 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 slamming the door in people's face with your attitude before they're slamming it in in, in your face against you. Do you see what I mean? They're, they're, you're almost rejecting society before, in your head, society rejects you. So there's this. It's actually a disablement and a, a mental. Um, it's, it's sort of mental baggage, if you like. They're saying that actually within you, this outsider, there's actually some deep psychological self-esteem potential issues that, that are making you an outsider. Um, that Your response to that is to develop a sort of attitude, an outsider attitude that you think is protective, but actually it's highly disabling. And uh, while it looks protective and, you know, I'm an outsider, me, you know, I don't belong, you know, I'm a rock star, you know, it's actually highly disabling. People will just walk away from that. And it's, and it's things like that you need to know and learn if you're going to retain that outside edge, retain that creativity that you have from being an outsider, but actually manage to, to, to use it properly, make sense of it. The really interesting thing about that is this kind of, the kind of false outsider attitude. And I've seen it myself where you see people that have been, you know, really, really talented in in certain areas. So as you say, maybe sort of creative artistically or creative musically. And they've always been told that, you know, they are an outsider by people around them, parents and family and close friends. And they kind of they kind of deviate from this natural, what once started out as this natural seed of talent and and natural seed of being an outsider. And you're right, they kind of deviate from that and put up this wall that they think people want them to be. Yeah. Um, And that is, you know, is that kind of all related? Is that a similar sort of thing? I call it the, um, partly I call it the the curse of being cool. And um, whereas you often get that sense of detachment, you feel detached, so you develop a sense of detachment. And um, and and I call it the curse of being cool and that, you know, you think you can sort of walk walk down the street with your collar up and a cigarette in your mouth, and 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 and, you know, and everything's fine. But actually, that what you're doing is you're shutting the world out, and and it's it, and it's an incredibly uncool in, um, way to behave because it, it's closing doors, it's 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 reducing your potential for achievement rather than opening opening you up for achievement. I often use the example of um, the, you know the coolest picture in the world, which was probably you know James Dean in the rain in Times Square walking with his collar up and his cigarette in his mouth and his hands in his pockets and that just look on his face and I always often use that as an example of everybody wants to look like that when you're young you think that's the epitome of cool and I'm saying but actually it's it's pathetic it's a pathetic image because you know he's he's what everything he does from that moment onwards has to be uncool or he you know he has to go and find Find food. He has to source money. He has to find shelter. He has to do all sorts of other things that you know that are completely uncool if he's going to if he's going to achieve anything. You know, so so actually, it's a curse being cool. The only alternative to that is that James Dean stays in Times Square with his hands in his pockets and his collar up. But that's pathetic. That just means he's a sort of out of town. Tour. 
terrorist for trying, trying to get some kind of vibe from Times Square, while the other people in Times Square are the sort of urban sophisticates who are going about achieving things. It just puts him out as a sort of a, a nobody. And, you know, so that's really pathetic. So, you know, that kind of curse of being cool and, and young people who feel detached can suffer from that in, as a defense mechanism. But it's, it's, it's very, it's sending them to completely in the wrong direction. And it's that, that kind of visually encapsulates what I'm trying to say here about the behavior that, that outsiders can adopt that, in fact, is, is, you know, that wrecks any potential they have, even though it looks like the right sort of outsider behavior. Well, that kind of segues into a, the next question that I had, actually, which was, if we've got this kind of mentality, if we put this mental barrier up, if we've got this kind of wall, if we, you, you know, we're suffering from the curse of being cool, which I think at some point we all do if we, mm. if we have self-esteem issues and, you know, we've got this kind of outsider mentality. What are some of the symptoms that can manifest and the, the, not only that, but the effects that they can have long term, you know, what can this actually do to your life over the long term? Well, I think it can wreck it. I think it, um, I think that, um, it can, um, I, I think it can completely disable your chance for achievement. And over, I mean, I remember school and I was probably one of the least cool people at school. And I was, um, uh, I wasn't say I was bullied, but I certainly wasn't popular, you know, in any particular form. And, um, uh, and I can remember the sort of cool people and they, I look back now and they've achieved very little, these cool people. They're still in their hometown. Um, they're, they're, you know, they, you know, they may have married the sort of, you know, the pretty one or whatever, but they, they, they've not, the, the coolness, the detachment has prevented them from ever making a leap so they've, they've sort of combined this detachment with a sort of fear of failure, an inner fear of failure, because they don't ever want that veneer to, to drop. And over time, that other people have overtaken them and progressed beyond them. And I think that that is, has been, um, has, has kind of wrecked their, um, uh, any potential they had in that they, you know, they end up being, it reinforces the, the, the bad side, which is that sort of, oh, well, I don't care. So they sort of develop an attitude of not caring. They perhaps become the party animals, you know, that sort of thing. So that uh, eventually, they, you know, the, the older you get, the, the more pathetic it looks. And eventually, that, you know, there's always that line that, um, you know, the accountants inherit the earth. And um, eventually that's what happens is that the really uncool people get on with their lives and ultimately inherit the earth. And the cool people end up very bitter, very embittered. Maybe, you know, there's all sorts of alcohol issues, depression, all sorts of things can occur from that. And I think that that is, that's what I'm trying to prevent, I think. That is, I mean, that hits home really, really hard because that's something that I think a lot of, especially in, in business, a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of these outsiders from an early age. Yeah. And you're right, mm. you know, they're either the kids that mm. get bullied at school or they're most certainly not mm. the cool kids. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, 15 years later, school reunions or if you ever come to Barnsley on a Christmas Eve night out in the centre of town, you're always going to see the cool kids. 
Yeah. And those guys aren't cool anymore. No, they're no. still there, but it's not, you know, when you look at it, you think, wow, did, did this ever really look yeah, cool? Yeah. It's was, a really interesting I thing, that, isn't it? There was a fantastic interview once. Oh, it was, I'll tell you what it was in. It was in um, uh, Bowling for Columbine by old Michael Moore. And I don't agree with a lot of what he says, but he, there was a brilliant, an interview with um, uh, I can't remember the name but it was the guy that created South Park and it just so happened that the guy that created South Park went to Columbine High School uh, obviously where the massacre was and he said an extraordinary thing I thought which really hit home with me and he said that what the two guys that walked into that school that morning and shot everyone on site and then shot themselves were were reacting to these kind of cool guys, you know, what they called the jocks. And all they had to do was wait because after school, what would happen was that the jocks would stay around the town, get, you know, jobs that weren't really that meaningful while everyone else or the, the uncle people would move on to college and doing stuff and achieving things. And so all they had to do was wait. But um, of course they didn't wait. They, their anger boiled over and before you knew it they were you know i think the american gun law came into its own and um before you knew it they were tooled up and wandering around shooting everybody and i and i think that that was um it's quite an extraordinary thing actually and i think that brings up one other thing i'd like to mention about outsiders which is this and there's lots of traits outsiders have um and the curse of being called is only is only is a reaction it's not a trait it's a reaction to your own self-esteem issues but some of the traits include things like sensitivity I talk about, but one of them oddly includes what I call distorted empathy in that you end up having empathy for the wrong people. The, uh, and, and, and you'll be sitting there and everyone will go, you know, well, I think, you know, for instance, the Columbine massacre, they'll be saying, well, I think it's absolutely awful what they did. Terrible, terrible. And you'll be going, yeah, but I understand why they did it. And you'll be get, and everyone will be thinking, why on earth? What on earth? This is absolutely awful. How can you possibly say something like that? How can you align with these people? And and that's a classic outsider trait: is that within you, whether you air it or not, whether you say it or not, you you get it. You you understand what drives bad behavior. There's that inner anger within you, that inner frustration that understands why people get led to those extreme. Um, uh, uh, those extreme outcomes where they end up walking around school shooting everybody. Now, heaven forbid that you ever go and do that, but having that inkling, that insight into why somebody would do that, I think is a, is a classic outsider trait. Because they were outsiders. They were just extreme versions. That is a really, really powerful quote as you say i forget the, the guy's name the creator of south park but I'd, I'd never heard that before but that that is a really mm. powerful quote because it it, it it just sums up everything doesn't it? it sums up everything that i guess it's the kind of journey through life and everyone especially in this world of entrepreneurs that excellence expected mm. sits in i bet so many people sat out there running the business now can relate to that and that is yes. such a 
Yeah, that's really hit well, home. I think now. entrepreneurialism is, a, is, a, is an extraordinary thing, actually, because I think that um, and I, I, there's a whole section on the book on entrepreneurialism, and I don't just mean starting a business. I mean having a non an entrepreneurial mindset. And I think that, that I just think it's the way out. I think it's absolutely that, that there's a, there are outsiders in previous generations that were uh, born outsiders, raised outsiders, remained outsiders the whole of their life and, and died outsiders and therefore died with an inner... And 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 inner loss, if you like, and uh, of never having found themselves, of never having uh, satisfied that that what was inside them, and and I think and I think that's a great tragedy. And I, uh, yet there is, and there be you no, know, there be condemned as society's losers, I guess, in one form or another, of people that never achieved their potential. But entrepreneurialism is. And, and the, the fact that Britain particularly, but obviously America as well, um, and you see it in other societies, you're seeing it spread across um, Europe now, that, that there's an entrepreneurial revolution going on, and that absolutely suits um, the outsider. I think it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, I agree totally with, with the idea of the revolution as well. So many people who do feel like they're outsiders will be able to embrace that. And yeah. I just want to turn that around, actually, and just pick up on that point, spin the entire concept on its head a little bit and just say, look, we, we kind of know what the symptoms are and we kind of understand what that feels like now. If we can get a hold of this, if we are outsiders and we can start to say, let's create our own edge, let's do something that we feel comfortable doing, what are the positive effects of really embracing that? How can we achieve and what can we achieve? What can we do? Well, um, I think the key is that you can find yourself um, you can you can find meaning for your life, and I, I you know in the book I talk about the, the journey um, that, w- that you need to go on, and 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 I think that journey is um, uh, I, I think that journey starts with a huge insight. It it, it it starts with understanding who you are as an outsider and accepting you are an outsider. It then um, I think then it it moves on to. Um, looking at um, accepting yourself as an outsider, but then moving forward. And how do you move forward? You move forward first and foremost by finding meaning for your life in that there, there is something out there that will give your life meaning. And it's a very personal thing, but it's out there. And, um, and it's in there, more importantly, I guess. It's inside you. Now, it might not be instantly apparent, but it's there. And you need to go and find it. Now, for a, a, one example I often talk about is, um, and I talk about in the book, is a philosopher called Viktor Frankl, who was a, um, um, he was a psychiatrist um, in Vienna before the war. During the war, he got dragged off. Him and his family got dragged off to the uh, concentration camps, and he was the only survivor from his family. He survived in part. Um, he survived the whole experience because... What he did was that he realized that um, as, a, as a psychiatrist, and he was a specialist in suicide, he understood human suffering, and, and, he, and the concentration camps gave him this enormous insight into human suffering. And he realized that he was being given this, this incredible insight into the nature of suffering and because of being in the concentration camp. And he then developed a, an idea that he would become a, 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 
a, a voice about the human condition after the war. And he imagined himself giving lectures and writing books about suffering. And he wrote a book called um, Man's Search for Meaning afterwards, came out in 1946. And that made him freer than his captives. Well, he basically, his guard, the guards who were guarding him and kicking him occasionally and doing all sorts of horrible things to him were just guards obeying orders. He had pure freedom because he was using this experience in order to gain insight and he was therefore objectifying it. He became, he depersonalized this experience, what I call me ink. He became me ink, a depersonalized entity that just saw everything around him as an experience that was that was crystal a mill. It was it was it was fuel for his for his meaning, for his for his future activities, and that's exactly what happened. And and he said, you know, man's suffering ceases the, the moment it is given meaning. So if you give your suffering meaning, it ceases to be suffering. It's therefore it's insight, and um, and I thought that was absolutely incredibly powerful. And he said that you know I, I, I'm going to try and paraphrase a quote, but that. Um, that what man needs, everyone talks about happiness, uh, and there's this huge emphasis on happiness. And he said that what man needs is not a state of um, happiness, but what they need is a goal that is worthy of them, that is worthy of their endeavors, worthy of their suffering, worthy of the fight, something that gets you fighting and gives your life meaning. So forget happiness and finding happiness. That's, you know, that's, that's an irrelevance. What matters is giving your life meaning. And I thought, for me, that is incredibly powerful. And I think that there's too often, there's too much emphasis on happiness out there. And there's an awful lot of unhappy people reading millions of books on happiness, thinking it will make them happy. And it won't. What will what will help them, it won't make them happy because we're not offering happiness. What will help them is giving their life meaning, is, is creating, is giving them something, a goal that is worthy of their suffering, that gives their suffering meaning. And that's where their suffering will cease. And I think that is, it's, it, for me, that's an extraordinary insight. It completely, when I read that, it completely changed my view of the world. I love that quote. What gets you up and fighting? Yes, that's a really powerful image. Yeah. Okay, it's what not is happiness. It gets me up? It's not happiness. It's it's the fight. It's it's uh, something worthy of the fight. Something that motivates you. It doesn't motivate you to be happy. It motivates you to 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 move forward. You know what gives your life meaning. You know, I don't consider myself massively happy person, but I do think my life has meaning. I do think it has a it has something about it now, thanks to you know the writing the books, etc., starting my own company. It has something about it that makes me feel worthy. It make it gives my life meaning, and I'm I'm perfectly you know that that's great. I'm I'm you know I feel wonderful about that. I don't feel extraordinarily happy. Half the time I feel frustrated about things, but I'm frustrated about meaningful things. I like that. Frustrated about meaningful things. That is a world of difference from how a lot of people yes. feel. So I really like that idea. Yeah. Be frustrated. Of course, you know, frustrations is a, 
is 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 will always be with you. And I think that, that, that I think what really frustrates people is when they're you know they're 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 frustrated about meaningless things. They can't even there's there's no structure to their frustration. It's just a sort of a, a feeling, an overall feeling that consumes them, overwhelms them. And I think outsiders do really suffer from that frustration. So you need to line up the frustration. What does it mean? What is your what are you frustrated about? What represents something that's not frustration? Move towards that, and you'll be frustrated. But you've you've got a goal. You'll move towards it. You know, and, and that slowly over time, and of course, once you achieve that milestone, there'll be something else ahead of you that'll give you more frustration. But so what? It's just, it keeps you moving forward. It's not a recipe for happiness, though, but it is a recipe for finding meaning, for finding something worthy in your life that, that, that gets you up in the morning. Fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you've got to find something that matters to you. And that's actually just the, the next point that I want to pick up on, actually, is just the idea that we've contextualized the issue for people. People are feeling like they're outsiders. We all feel like that at some point, varying degrees, and obviously it affects people in different ways. And we understand now that if we get a hold on this, we can achieve great, great things. As you say, the 3,000 examples from throughout history are all there for us to see. I just want to use the actionable takeaway section of the podcast to kind of build the bridge between those two areas. So for those people out there that are feeling like an outsider, but have now understood that they can achieve and they can find that meaning, what three steps could they take, Robert, today to actually get themselves moving towards that goal? Okay, once they've found meaning, you're saying, so they've got, they've, 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 they've sort of thought about it and thought, you know, it's in that direction. It won't necessarily be fully formed, but it's in that direction. Um, okay, so if we got to that point, then I think the, the next thing to do is, um, is to develop what I'd call a growth mindset. Now, this, is, um, this comes from Carol Dweck. She wrote a book called Mindset, and I think we need to develop a growth mindset. What most... Um, outsiders have unfortunately is a fixed mindset and, um, and the difference is that a fixed mindset is really someone with a fixed mindset assumes that their attributes are fixed they, 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 they are as they were born often they've been told they're stupid and you know and, and so they've developed this sort of fixed mindset and, and when they meet people they are either um, they're trying to prove to these people that they're that they're good people so they're either um, trying to hide their what they see as their poor attributes or they're trying to project what they see as their good attributes, and so they're projecting. They're not. They're not receiving. They're broadcasting, and so every time they meet somebody, their aim instantly is to try and prove to that person that they're good people. That you know, for, in whatever way you want to measure it, and um, where some of the growth mindset um, takes takes. It just as a starting point when they meet people that's just that's just that and they um and they just see well what can i learn from this person and so they've got an inner confidence and they just think what can they learn from this person so every time they meet someone they're not going how can i prove to my prove to this person i'm a good person they're looking at that person say well what can i learn from this person and you and we can all think of examples of people that, that do that that, that either project themselves onto other people in that they're trying to um, receive, they're trying to broadcast their own worthiness or they're trying to receive um, in terms of learning. We can all think of people like that. And I think that having the growth mindset, I think is incredibly powerful. And the trouble is you can, you can instant, once you hear that, you go, Oh, I know I'm, I'm going to have a growth mindset. So off you go and have a growth mindset, you know, an hour later, you'll be back to your fixed mindset, you know, so, so it's easy to cure a fixed mindset, but it's, it's, 
very easy to fall back into a fixed mindset. And so you have to remind yourself constantly, you know, whether it's, you know, keep a diary, put a note, um, you know, put a note at the top um, saying growth mindset on each day or something like that that reminds you, you've got to be open to learning. And I think that that, I think that's very important. You know, and then secondly, I would say keep a diary. I think keeping a diary is very important. I think it helps um, contextualize all the frustrations you feel. It, it What I find with the diaries, often with the frustrations, Frustrations. I, I, when I start writing down um, aggravation, small incidents, my areas of sensitivity, things that have gone wrong, I'll immediately start putting it in a, in a framework that means I can move on from it and I can find the answer. Also, some of the stuff you realize is just pure emotion. By the time you put it on the page, the, the emotion starting, it's not only starting to um, uh, develop into insight, it's actually the emotion starting to look a bit silly, you know, and, and so it allows you that space in order to, in order to, you know, to overcome perhaps defensive triggering that, you know, that, that's created an emotional reaction. And, you know, so it helps. So, so all those sort of things that, um, can go down in a diary. But the key thing to go down in a diary, which I'd say is the third thing, is progress towards the goals. It's all very well having... Uh, having this um, idea of meaning and what you, I mean by meaning, but let's put some detail on it. And I, because first of all, it will be something slightly intangible. It will be, I just want to have meaning in this area, art, sport, writing, um, you know, you know, help, you know, setting up a charity, all those sort of zones. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is, and don't be beholden to this, but let's visualize where you want to be in 10 years' time. Let's visualize what that looks like. Then let's visualize what you need to do to be there and fight to be the, to get the 10 year goal, where you need to be in five years, then two years. Get some incredible detail there. Write it all down. Things will change, but write it all down. That's your 10 year visualization. That's what it looks like. Create a series of steps to meet the first milestone, which is probably one year, say, a series of steps to do that. And then off you go write all that down and then use your diary as a as a means of recording progress towards those goals and actually what that will do is give you very good judgment because often the frustration the anger the defensiveness all comes from not having a proper goal i you know you walk into a shop and some you know some disinterested person probably be, you know because they've never found meaning in their life serves you poorly or ignores you or whatever and you feel slighted you feel that you've been insulted by that person you know so you walk out and you've you know you've just had your day ruined because someone in a sandwich shop or a shoe shop has, has not treated you particularly well and actually but actually if you have a goal and your goal is, you know, to set up a company, to set up this company, you need some money to, you, because you need the money. You need to go to your bank manager because you need, you need to go to your bank manager. You need to get some smart clothes because, you, you know, that includes a pair of shoes. You walk into the shoe shop, the guy treats you badly. You're not interested in him. You're only interested in shoes. You know, you need because that's what's going to achieve your goal. Forget it. You know, what's his problem? He needs to get a good goal. You've got yours. Now give me the shoes. I've got our stuff to do. It just gives you better judgment. Do you see what I mean? It just completely lines up your judgment. And, um, you know, that might be a little line in your diary later. You know, treat it bad in the shop. Never mind. Got the shoes. Now I'm off to see the bank manager. Great. 
and things like that just so so why i say get a growth mindset so open your eyes and open your ears to, to learning because things will start happening when you do things will start aligning when you do you'd be amazed that suddenly someone will say something you'll think actually that's exactly right and in fact that's already already happened to me in this conversation i had a i've been looking for a title for my next book and you get i'm not going to tell you what it is but you, it actually appeared in this conversation because uh, my mind was open to what I needed to find out, which was a title of my book. And, um, you know, so to open your mind, to, you know, start a diary, get it all down, get all those frustrations down. But three, use that diary, and this is the third element, to really get some strong goals, use visualization, work out the detail of what you're trying to achieve, turn that into a, a path with milestones, and then use that diary to record your progress along, uh, along, the, along your path. So. Fantastic. I think the progress is such an important thing. People forget to do that. So guys, if you're listening out there and you don't know where to get started, it's all well and good people delivering actionable advice. But look, if you can't do anything with it, then, you know, there's no point. So take what Robert says and actually start doing. That's the real key thing. Just start doing. So Robert, that's been a fantastic interview. And just before we wrap up, can you just tell the listeners two things actually, where they can connect with you online, but also where they can pick up the book? Um, well, the best place the best place to get the book is on Amazon, Amazon.co.uk, The Outside Edge, uh, by Robert Kelsey. Um, it's clearly the quickest way to um, to get the book. It's also in W. H. Smith and and um, Foils and um, various places like that, and Waterstones, obviously. So you know, but, uh, but you know, Amazon's obviously the best place to do it, and. Um, also, um, yeah, if you want to connect with me, it's www.robert-kelsey.co.uk. Also, if, I mean, if you put Robert Kelsey into Google, um, I should come up first. There's a Scottish artist with the same name. He comes up second, and uh, we fight it out each time to make sure that we're, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're both on the first page, but we are. So um, click on the artist. What do if you're just in art, but if you're just in, in, um, uh, in making progress in life, it's on my one, and um, I'll take it from there. So, um, also, I'd, I'd like to add one thing on, on the diary thing about making progress, and I think that it's important important to realise that you are making physical progress, even if you're not making mental progress. And I think that what will happen in the diary is you'll make mental, you'll realise that you are making physical progress. You are moving to the next stage, even if mentally you still feel an outsider. I feel like an outsider today. Do not expect to feel like an insider um, tomorrow. If your goal is to feel like an insider, fine, but that's it's not what I'm teaching you to do here. I'm teaching people to achieve things as an outsider, without surrendering as an outsider. And um, so that's what I'm, I'm trying to help people do. And um, and you, that means you'll always be an outsider. You're always going to have that feeling that you're going to make progress. You're going to have meaning to your life and you'll make progress. So I think so. I think that's an important point, and the diary helps you keep a track on that progress, even though mentally the, the the reactivity and the way you feel will keep going. But hopefully, it's a it's bigger frustrations, it's more meaningful frustrations. I love it, definitely, 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 and I. I wholeheartedly again I know I've said it before but I wholeheartedly recommend the, uh, the tracking the progress and keeping the diary that's something that I do and I always start the diary off actually with something that Remy Shaw from the Get Unstuck podcast taught me which was I always start with the line the truth is and I always feel that that kind of galvanizes me, galvanizes me into being honest <laughs> yes yes very good 
Very good. I love yes. it. So, Robert, it's been a real pleasure, sir. And as for you guys listening out there, everything will be in the show notes as usual. We'll put links over to Robin, Robert's website. We'll put links over to the books on Amazon. And don't forget, whilst you're over on excellence-expected.com, you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. Robert, once again, sir, thanks so much. Thank you. And guys, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.